The Youthscape Podcast. Hi, everybody, and uh, good morning, good lunchtime, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening, and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast. My name is Rachel Gardner, and to my left and to my right, because it's a circle, is. <laughs> to your left and to your right. As in opposite me. That just makes is... me sound like I'm enormous. <laughs> Spread eagles around the table is... Martin Saunders. <laughs> Beautiful. You're not spread eagles. Obviously Martin. having a fat year. <laughs> Martin, welcome to the Youthscape podcast. Thanks. Hey, can I tell you two stories? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I've got two you quick stories. You just have them like, lined up. Well, one of them, this, is a, this is a slightly... I wasn't sure whether to tell this or not, but I need to because I need, I need to process need to this with someone. exercise this one. Um, this morning uh, at 4am, oh. my daughter ran into our room... My five-year-old son is called Zachary, and she said, Zachary's dead. What? That's how I woke up at four o'clock this morning to be told that my five-year-old had died. Um, And it was a dream. She'd had a nightmare. Um, But you try going back to sleep after that much adrenaline has gone through your body. Oh my gosh, that was probably the worst five seconds of my life. And uh, you know, actually, can I share oh worst five seconds me. of my life as well? Oh, I'm still traumatised. Sorry, because we are youth workers, but we're also parents. And I know many of you share that as well. So yesterday, uh, took we had a student staying with us for the weekend. Took our little family, went to a restaurant. Very busy, very busy road. This restaurant's on little pizza place. I thought my two-year-old son was somewhere. He wasn't. He'd walked out of the restaurant and he'd walked such a long way down this dual carriageway. And in fact, one of the guys at work there said, do you have a two-year-old, you have a little son with blonde hair? I was like, yeah. So he, he walked out a little while ago. Was like, that was my worst five seconds of my life, running down this road thinking, has he gone into the road and bless his little heart? Oh my he'd gosh. stayed close to the Where wall. Where was he? quite a long way down the road going oh. <laughs> uh. yeah awful wow. awful wow. awful so can both I, of us can I tell that. my other story please can, can, I, you, can, can you I tell you the, the but can I tell you the rude off. song story is it just yes. is it okay we now need something that do you think the rude song story is okay I think we need it now don't we okay fine so Zachary who's very much alive and age fine. five uh, I heard him downstairs the other morning singing a song and uh, he's he's obviously mixing with older children I don't think he's learned this from any of my kids, but uh, he's singing a song. Yeah, and I was like, boy, I'm straining to listen. And I warn you now, in every sense, this will be your earworm for the day. Um, but, um, but, but I'm trying, I'm saying, what is he singing? I think he's singing, um, ooh, 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 come on and do the conga. And I'm like, how does he, how does he know that? And so I walked down a couple of flights of stairs because uh, I live in a nine floor mansion. <laughs> uh, and uh, and no, I, walked down, I walked down some stairs and, uh, and I hear that he's actually singing, Conga, 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 make my willy longer. Ah! Which, um, ah! which I'm like, where, where has he learned that from? And why? And is that scientifically accurate? That's where you need to challenge it, really. What do you mean, is it scientifically it's accurate? It's a science you need to challenge. What, doing the conga? <laughs> Making this willy There long. was another verse oh. as well about um, showing it to a fairy, but I don't want to go oh. there. Um, anyway. Oh, Zachary. Anyway, that's how that's how my day started <sighs> today with, with horror and terror yeah, and it. then comedy. If you mix teenagers and five year olds, I'm afraid. Not to not to shame teenagers now, but <laughs> that's where they get the songs from. That's what anyway, back into the room. 
We have a fantastic interview today with yes. with a guy called Rob who does have a surname, um, but he uh, lives out, just outside Blackburn on a housing estate in Darwin. And I caught up with him. And Martin, I'm gonna we're gonna listen to him in a minute. But I want to ask you quite a provocative question. Go on. And this is my question: Do you see a future where youth work? doesn't exist anymore in terms of the church in terms of church growth and discipleship and outreach do you see a future where we don't need youth workers because somehow we've all got this that it's about reaching and discipling younger people i mean that is like asking rachel garner do you see a future where there's no blonde hair dye (laughs) i do not see that future no it does not exist okay so i haven't listened to the interview yet so we'll see uh, if you can change my puzzle you can change change my mind i am i'm hurt it's been a difficult day (laughs) it's been a very difficult day no i'm repeating myself of course but the the teenage years have these very specific needs that need specialism that need pastoring um you go through more change in your teenage years than you do at any other Mm. point in your life and, um, and, and, and there needs to be a group of people who are set apart just to specialise and focus on caring for and pastoring and supporting those young people. And I think that, that if no one takes responsible for the pastoral development of young people, like, uh, you know, the Bible says train a child up in the way he should mm. go and he will not depart from it. Mm. And, um, you know, I mean, you, that does not suggest you can just leave him to fend for himself and... And, and somehow he'll, he'll figure out mm. uh, how to follow Jesus. Mm. Like, we need people to show the way. Mm. And that's what we're commanded to do. Like, make disciples, young and old. Like, absolutely. So, so no. Mm. You I, don't see without, without listening to the interview, where that, or I may hear some mm. great revelation, well, I, think, I, I can't believe we yeah, wouldn't need youth workers. I think what's interesting about this, this conversation with Rob, and it, it took me, it, it was really helpful, I went away and processed quite a bit afterwards, because he's a practitioner, so he, his background is Eden, um, we've had guests on the podcast before from Eden, we know what they do, they're amazing, they're incarnational, move into a very tough area, and they just, they just seek to be Christ, don't they? And that often the focus is youth and young people, but mm-hmm. it's broader than that. And so that's his background, and him and his family have moved into this very challenging estate where I think that the, the ties with the church were sort of killed a long time ago. He doesn't, he very honestly, very kindly doesn't share any sort of stories of that because obviously it's real people. But he's come into a setting where he's a youth worker, but actually he has a whole housing estate that's traumatised, that experienced immense abuse. And suddenly the kind of the parameters of youth work don't work anymore. Mm. Suddenly all that he's learned doesn't work anymore. And he's having to pastor mm. adults as if they're 15 year olds because of what yeah. they've been through. And, I, yeah. and it just, it really got me thinking like are we are we properly preparing youth workers for that kind of setting where mm. they where actually if we want to send youth workers primarily into these environments yeah what, what actually will they need to do to make this so, so it's a really interesting conversation yeah. where you'll hear some so no i don't think there'll be a future where there's no youth work but i'm interested to think as it evolves there might be some youth workers in the future who look vastly different to what and they need to they need to yeah and and it depends on the context yes you know you wouldn't send the same team into every situation of course and sometimes who the employed worker is going to be and who the volunteer team are going to be is going to be different and i think in lots of contexts now we're seeing volunteer-led youth work Mm. spring up even in churches where they might have an employed community worker Mm. because it makes more sense for that to be the employed person so of course it's both and it's Mm. much more complicated i'm very interested to hear the interview the youthscape podcast 
so I'm sat um, on the sunny Tithereau with Rob. Rob, tell us, who are you? Hi, I'm Rob. Um, we've just recently moved to Darwin, which is a, a beautiful town uh, near Blackburn in Lancashire. Uh, we moved out here in March um, to take on some work with the local church. Fantastic. And, and you have a very exciting job title, but I'm quite jealous of your job yeah. title. What's, what is it? Uh, so my job title is the, a community-based urban evangelist. Uh, and essentially what that means is that we're working on and living on quite a tough estate, um, to spreading the gospel really to the community. But also within that, it's being lay pastor of, a, of an Anglican church, uh, which is with the aim of reconnecting the links between the church and the community, which has been quite badly broken over the last few years. Great, and we'll get into that a bit in a minute. Um, but my sort of opening question to you mm-hmm. is, what got you into youth ministry yeah. in the first place? Okay, so obviously at one point, it seems like a long time ago now, but I was a young person uh, <laughs> in a church. Uh, and the youth work there wasn't particularly that great and actually caused a bit of pain and a bit of hurt, hurt as well along along the way. Um, and I kind of went away from church for quite a while um, and decided that this whole God stuff wasn't for me. But then over a series of events, I realised that, that God was real uh, and that there's a plan and his love is is vibrant and it's, and it, it's, it's transforming. Um, so I gave my life to Christ. Uh, and very quickly I had this desire to to share my faith with anyone that I came into contact with really but also knowing that there'd be lots of young people that have gone through similar experiences that I went through as a young person kind of uh, those those that weren't part of church as well Uh, and I wanted to kind of really begin to speak into their hearts and and speak the truth and hope of God into into Mm. their hearts really. So that theme of pain and finding Jesus amidst the the pain is something that's sort of brought you to faith but also the church that you and Susie are now leading you, you sort of gently hinted at you, it's, it's a broken community and also mm-hmm. a church that's kind of severed links with the community mm-hmm. and that and you walked into quite a, a hurting situation mm-hmm. can you talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about that? I know you've got to be really confidential about people and places the rest of it but what is that like as a leader as a youth minister as a church leader walking into a place where you just know there's a lot of pain here mm. I mean I, th- I think First and foremost, it's 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 that that awareness of the sensitivity that's needed in all that we do. Uh, I mean, the the estate that we live on, it's it's got double the average of the northwest in terms of childhood poverty, um, uh, and that's really evident throughout the estate that the po- there's a lot of poverty, uh, kind of physical and financial poverty, but obviously linked with that is this deep spiritual poverty as well. Mm. Uh, and then if you bring the church into the picture, who have been hurt in the past by by previous uh, leaders. Um, th- there's a lot, there's a lot of pain in there as well. So everything that we have to do, we have to be. And we still are because we're only six months in. It's about being sensitive and you know bringing change where change needs to happen, but doing that in a way where the church that we're part of and the community feels over they're part of that change mm. and, and kind of ushering that change in. Mm. If that makes sense. Was it really obvious when you arrived? what the hurt was and what it was that people felt and and because I guess people are listening to this who might be thinking actually I've, I've inherited a youth group that's hurting like there's been mm. stuff that's happened in the past or or you know a young person's committed suicide and and, mm. and the, the group is hurting how how do you identify what's the cause of the pain how, how have you and Susie sort of yeah. found out what it, what's hurting I mean there's no simple answer to this really it's quite a, a lengthy process you know we're still finding out different things today and I'm sure we will for, for some time yet um, but it's there's a key word here it's about relationship 
and it's about spending time with people in the church with people in the community uh, and getting to know them and getting to know a little bit of their history uh, and ultimately it's building up trust so that they feel that they can confide in both me and my wife Susie mm. Uh, and then from that we can begin to kind of work towards healing and praying for them mm. and all that. But, it, but it has to start with relationship and building up a trust amazing and, and just a little I know of you and Susie I think probably you're absolutely awesome at that <laughs> so you have a youth at background you guys are, are pioneering a, a church plant in, on a really um, impoverished housing estate outside Darwin and you talked about that terrible stat about twice the twice how did you phrase it by child poverty uh, child poverty is twice the northwest average northwest average uh, and 10% higher than the rest of Darwin my goodness so So tell us what that looks like a snapshot for for teenagers then mm -hmm. on on your house what what does that poverty look like Uh, I mean I get teenage I work more in a primary school at the moment um, just because that's where we've got the links and the contacts with Uh, but in the primary school it's you know it's the, the, the the typical thing of you know hot meals uh, mm. and not having access to hot meals all the time it's you know um the you know it's, it's kind of behavior at school mm. that's an issue it's also uh, issues with families at home and mm. you know a whole range of different issues with, with families at home mm. and it's um uh, and again it's just getting to know the school spending time in the school getting to know the staff and the teachers but hopefully that that will then open doors to the rest of the family mm, as well so that we mm. can begin to meet the whole, the whole family and we begin to see that happen but again mm. it's just a slow process you know uh, when we uh, years ago I started off working for Eden and you kind of move on to an Eden estate and you expect to see revival within within a week have you been there but the reality is that, that this is hard this is long this is going to be a slog uh, and it's about having that commitment and mm. that continuity and that longevity in all mm. that we do and has that experience helped you prepare for this experience yeah absolutely i mean it's got because um with eden it was all youth work focused that, that's helped a little bit, but now this obviously brings in that we're, we're now community-wide focused, not just young person focused. Mm. So there's there's a few new experiences, and uh, we weren't part of an Anglican church before this, so it's getting used to the new way of how Anglican and we're churches crazy, work as Anglicans. Well. It's oh great, I love it. <laughs> Do you, have you like tried on gowns and things just for no, fun? Not yet, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> just wafted around the community. Look at me. We have gowns actually. It'd be oh, nice to, nice to try them out. Yeah. So that so that's interesting. So a number of times in this interview, I've tried to drag you to talk to me just about teen because I know that's that that you are first and foremost a youth worker and you are a leader and a church leader now and you've kept coming back to me saying but it's broader than that it's mm. community mm. it's the family it's children yeah. and actually for you there's no disconnect between doing primary yeah. school stuff or hanging out you know at the mum's hotels so is there do you feel I mean it's a bit of a loaded question here do you feel that necessity means that youth workers like yourself and church leaders like yourself need to be connecting with the whole community are mm. we seeing a shift mm. a sea change in youth ministry yeah, would you say yeah and i think that's inc- vitally important actually that we do begin to bring that shift in because you know we can put on a great youth session maybe two nights a week but that's probably what four hours a week we're seeing a young person the rest of the week they're in the families they're hanging out with the mates they're doing different things in the area and so we can't begin to make a big impact on lives if we're kind of only seeing them for four hours a week so if we begin to impact everything that their whole kind of circle of influence if you like then we'll get to know them better we'll get to know the community better uh and so I, yeah i think there is that thing of 
seeing it come more as a one mm. thing as opposed mm. to, oh no, they're the youth workers, they're the family workers, they're the church leaders. Well, no, let's bring it all into one. Let's not yeah. separate it out yeah. because uh, we'll see more results actually. If, uh, we'll see more fruit, I believe, if we mm. start to work more holistically across mm. the young person's life. That's amazing. And uh, I realise that we're supposed to be in the other room for speeches, <laughs> Rob, and we're here, like, with my phone. Never mind. I, th- I think it's great. It's prayers before oh, the barbecue, oh, isn't it? That's fine. We'll, we'll keep It's going only praying. It's fine. <laughs> Listen, I'm doing my typical grabbing somebody at some other event, <laughs> sticking a phone in their face. Um, so let's just talk more about that, because I, I've got a lovely colleague who I do this podcast with who will be shouting at me right now, saying, no, we need you to work specialists. This is so important. And mm. back into your cage, Martin. You can talk later. Because um, <laughs> I think what's interesting is that you... you you know young people and you have that bit nailed so when you talk about community and whole church stuff you've got the expertise around how to connect with youth culture mm. and what's going on mm. in the world i speak to church leaders quite a lot at the moment who are like i have no idea like what's going on in a young person's life yeah. i have no idea about their world i don't know what i'd say to them would would what would your advice be to them is it still to do the community stuff first and get to know the wider community what would we that's oh, it's a tricky question. I've thrown at you now. Yeah, so can you break that down for me? That so right? I, I suppose I'm, I'm the luxury of you and I talking about community work is that actually we understand we, we are youth workers, mm. so we we still have a natural kind of bias towards young people. We love them. We want to create space for them. Mm. There'll be other church leaders listening to this going, I just don't feel comfortable with young. I don't know what to mm. do with young people. So when they talk community work, they're meaning just preschool or they're meaning just a barbecue in the okay. church grounds yeah. once a week. Okay. Like, would you, how would you define really effective community work that isn't just a fate once a month? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what does it mean for you to have a church that's about the community? Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I think it's about making space um, and, and kind of, you know, offering people that space on a regular basis. Um, you know, it's quite often, you know, I know on our estate that people kind of, they look at our church and they can see it there because it's on the top of a hill uh, and you walk past it on your way to school or what have you. But no one really knows what goes on in there. It's kind of this mysterious thing. And it's, it's the same when I worked in prison. You'd walk down uh, this street called Main Street and there'd be purple gates on the side, which was the chapel. And nobody would really know what happens in there. And so I think part of it is kind of just breaking down this stereotype of, of what church is and it's that it's just a place to come and belong. Yes, you meet with God there, which is incredible, mm. but first of all, just come and be part of us mm. and, and welcome people in and make space for them to come in mm. and get rid of a lot of the religious stuff that happens in church yeah. to make it comfortable for those coming in off the street. Yeah. Um, but, but ultimately, it's about making that space. If we haven't got space, mm. we haven't got the, the room for people to come in from the community, they're not going to come to mm. us. We've got to give them a reason to come. Um, and it might even be that you start Start meeting at the local community centre and not your church building for a while. Yeah. Just to, just because coming across the threshold of a church can be quite scary for some yes. people, uh, yes. especially if they're not aware of the ways that things are done in church. Yes, absolutely. Um, and in the six months that you guys have been in Darwin, what what impact do you feel that that the church is already making in people's lives, and specifically in young people's lives? Mm. What I mean, it's six months. It's hardly anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But what are you seeing? Yeah. Uh, I think we're we're beginning now to see um, people just kind of, uh, you know, they've kind of gone from that place of being unknown, not knowing what church Mm. is, to kind of understanding it a little bit more. You know, we uh, every other week we do this thing called Friday Special, where we invite kids and the families up for a meal, and we have a meal together. We play games and, and begin to talk a little bit about the Bible. But we begin to see relationships build. Actually, not just you know, we kind of 
we, uh, you know, my experience of church is that we're okay to go so far with someone in our relationship building that's not part of the church. But actually, we're being, we're being to see friends mm. and people that we can call friends and people that we can call on when we're in, in, in time of need as well as them calling on us when, when they're in need, oh, which is really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and actually, it's the way that we're meant to be. You know, we're called to be friends with people that we mm. live near uh, and we're called to you know, kind of share our faith with those around us. And, and if we're not prepared to open our homes to be friends with them, mm. This, that, that relationship's only going to go so far, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. How, how does that... Because I, I totally agree with that, and that's, I think, at the heart of the best kind of mission evangelism is genuine friendship, and not even relationship evangelism, which which can feel a bit like get to know somebody, then you can kind yeah. of clobber them with the gospel. It, 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 it sort makes of people feel like a project. Yeah, that's right. But genuine friendship yeah. that says we want to do the long, long yeah. haul with you. What does that look like? in youth work then where we are so conscious of mm. safeguarding and having safe adults for young people and obviously you work in an area where young people have you know the, the abuses you know all sorts of things that, that, that your young people are facing due to you know stuff going on around them so you're very mindful I guess about having a kind of an approach that is safe for young people but, but how do you hold on to we still want young people to walk in and be able to access anybody in this church and mm. be able to come to people's homes and not be always siphoned off to the youth club. Yeah, what, yeah. what do you think that's going to look like for you guys? <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, let's let's um, brain dump it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, where we're at the minute is that we don't have any separate youth church stuff anyway. Uh, partly because the building is, is is too small for that and we haven't got any, any spare rooms for that. So we're all in together. And so we're, we have that challenge of how do you make a service that's going to speak to everybody, regardless whether they're, they're a toddler, whether they're a teenager, young adult, or, or you know, kind of, a, you know, an elderly person. And so we need to, whenever we're thinking about the services, we're trying to make it accessible for everybody. We, I mean, and it's a challenge. And we sometimes get it right and sometimes get it horrendously wrong. Mm. Um, but you're prepared to do it. But we're prepared it. to do it. And <laughs> that's, that's the key. Because mm. if, if a young person is coming to church and thinking, well, there's nothing for me here, why are they going to come back? Mm. Uh, and they're going to begin to then see that perhaps God isn't relevant mm. to them anymore, mm. which is a, a travesty, isn't it? It'd be awful if a young person left church one Sunday thinking... Nothing yeah. for me with God, but well, I think I think you're so interesting, and I and I guess I mean I'm in the same headspace at the moment with with the church plant that we're in. We don't have separate youth work at mm. the moment. Mm. We're all in yeah. for everything, and and I've had to sort of say to myself, if the only reason a young person would come back to church is because they get taken to a separate room with a professional youth worker mm. doing youthy stuff, yeah. If if I think that's the only reason they'd come back, then I've completely misunderstood. Mm the family that we're mm. building here, yeah. and also a young person's deep desire for family. I don't yeah. know that young people always only ever want to be with other teenagers. They have yeah. that Monday to Friday at <laughs> school. They might actually quite like yeah. being with little ones and older people. Yeah. So I guess what you're doing is trying to explore, yeah. just hold steady, That's, let's and, relate. And, and it's also trying to include them in the service as well, you know, because we so often forget that the, the young people can, can actually teach us things as well and we can learn from them. Uh, uh, and I, you know, I hate that, or I very much dislike it when people say that the young people are the church of tomorrow, because mm. they're not, they're the church of today. And the sooner we start treating young people mm. as the church of today, we will see them rise up. We will mm. see them step into things that we would never thought possible. Mm. Um, because we've just got to get, it's about giving opportunities for them to serve and to mm. get involved. And I guess reflecting and, on your own story, that you, you, when you talked about the church you grew up mm. in, 
would you say that's one of the markers that you weren't involved with stuff you weren't seen as a potential leader well you know when you reflect on your own experience yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, there's different things from my experience and again you know, uh, need to be careful yeah, here course, with, yeah. with, with what I say um, but essentially there's a few times when I went to church where I felt as though I was judged a little bit just be, you know I was a bit of a metalhead as a kid um, you know wore baggy jeans and Lovely. all that kind of stuff yeah. and, and kind of went against the, the what most of the young, young people in my in my school were listening to and doing and all that kind of stuff um, and that got a, if you raised a few eyebrows in, in, the, in the church that I grew up yeah. as and it's yeah uh, and we I don't want that to happen mm. with young people from the you know the, that we're meeting today yeah. um, I, want, I want every person that comes into our church to feel a welcome like they've never had before because at the end of the day they're walking into the presence of God yeah. you know? uh, not that the church is the only place where the presence of God lives but they are coming to a place where the presence of God yeah. is resting yeah. and they need to feel welcome in that place and they need to feel at home in that place uh, and like you said you know feel like it's family away mm. from family that's awesome, and I'm and I'm now like just looking at your piercings on mm-hmm. your ears, and you've got like some cheeky ones in your nose. Oh, that fella! I'm pretty sure when I got married, uh, my wife Susie began to pray against my piercings. Did she, when you were asleep at because, night, did she like slowly take it well, out? Well, just be things like I take them out to play a football match, and they'd mysteriously it's go mysteriously missing, go. like they weren't where I put them. And I'm sure she was praying against them. And besides, <laughs> the ones that are left are the ones that she likes. <laughs> So you secretly still a bit of a metalhead? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a few, because my wife's really into, into musicals and, and oh, kind no, of really? like Westlife <laughs> and, and Boyzone. So when That's we got married, it's a bit of a, bit of a shock to the system. It's like and, a, crossing the divides, isn't yeah, it? it really Forget was. Romeo and Juliet. It really was, That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Rob, that is, it's so good to just catch you in this barbecue, completely impromptu. But just getting that sense from you of what youth ministry looks like when you're, when you're, when you walk into a housing estate with so many needs mm. and a blank sheet of paper and limited resources, but huge amounts of energy and love and faith and mm. hope. Um, and that's been a real challenge today, thinking actually that it, that it could be done differently. It could, be, it could mm. look more like family. Yeah. What if youth mm. ministry looked like family for, yeah. this, for these guys? And um, yeah. that's awesome. People want to... Um, there's one project that you're involved with which sounds really exciting about yeah. raising up leaders. Want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, great. So um, the vicar that I work with, he had a vision years and years and years ago about how we release urban leaders. Um, you know, because it's so obvious that the church we need urban leaders. Mm. But if you look across the leadership of churches nowadays, you kind of see your typical white yeah. middle class people leading yeah. church, which is fine. And they, and they and we see there are some phenomenal churches out there. But actually, what would church look like if we began to see people from deprived backgrounds, from working class backgrounds, rise up into leadership of the church? Mm. It would totally change the way that the church looked. Mm. Um, so the, the and and again, the way that a lot of the um, courses that are, you know for people to go into church leadership are set up it's for people that are good and they're academic mm. it's people mm. that can handle a degree and write essays mm. but the church is missing out on so many people that that, that don't think in the way mm. of of essays or don't mm. think in the way of uh, of academia and, and so we need to find a way of bringing those leaders through mm. into church leadership because um, like i say it will totally change the way that church looks and operates mm. and it'll be a far more exciting place um, so we, we run this course, it's, we're just about to start the second year of the course now, um, called Empower. Uh, and it, it does exactly what it says on the tin, we're there to empower people from an urban background to step into leadership, 
um, not to take them away from their context. It's to bring them into a different space for, for one night a week so that when they go back to their church, they can make a difference in the church that they're in. So it's not about uh, benefiting the work that we're doing. It's about benefiting the work of the kingdom, uh, which, really is, what, which, is what, which is what's so exciting. So anybody listening um, to this in the northwest, kind of yeah. in the Darwin, in the, Blackburn. In the Blackburn Diocese area particularly. Yeah, um, it runs every Wednesday night from 7 till 9.30 uh, with some excellent speakers. Uh, and the idea is to, to release you into what God's got for yeah. you. And age um, bracket is... Age bracket for, for, the, uh, for the one midweek is... Um, is kind of 25 plus yeah. uh, and we're just about to start a new one this year uh, working with 18 to 25 awesome. year olds to, awesome. to release them into what God's got for yeah, them yeah really catch them uh, and really catch because yeah. again if you're catching somebody at kind of 40 45 yeah. who yeah. is from an urban background and has got leadership written all over them yeah. that's almost too late we've yeah. missed out on a good yeah. chunk of you know good, good block time. of time where they could oh. be leading the church Rob and uh, Susie is next door feeding your kids barbecue we love you Susie <laughs> you're an amazing leader um, but Rob thank you so much for your time no worries the Youthscape Podcast. Great interview, uh, as always, Rachel. And uh, that point at the end about raising up leaders is very interesting. So, um, you know, there is that question around how do we raise up leaders who actually look like and sound like and have the same background as the people they're trying to reach because we know that they're going to, you know, that actually that's really important. Um, how do we do that when uh, for the last couple of generations at least, you know, we've really been raising up white middle-class male mm. leaders from a certain sort of subset of the church. And a certain stream of academia and education as well that yeah. assumes certain things. I, mean, I was listening to Miriam Swaffield a little while ago at a big uh, national leadership conference and she sort of dropped the bomb in the room that we cannot anymore have training institutions where people are, are taken out of their contacts packed away for three years in a completely different space and then expects to go back into like we've yeah. got to be doing it on the ground and it's got to be that high level quality mm, stuff mm. but in the context and I think that's what Rob is and Susie are really seeking to do is to yeah. identify leaders that, that they're going to go after mm. but not then try and shoehorn them into courses that just don't work for them these are highly intelligent people that we're raising up but we don't want to shoehorn them into a, a structure that will fail for them no I think there's some really exciting stuff going on with people who are trying to think a bit differently about mm. how we reach uh, communities that have been overlooked so I think um, Carl Beach is doing some really interesting work with his Edge Network um, I was really excited to hear that Chris Lane who um, yes, yeah. brilliant church leader from Salford um, working with as he would put it just like ordinary people um, and seeing ordinary miracles which is the name of his book which is very good you should get it um, he uh, he's now involved in St Melitus uh, and, North, and inputting yeah, in the Northern St Melitus yeah, College, which I think is really interesting. Really so I think there are some really good. You know, we often like we often make uh, HTB Network the scapegoat, don't mm. we, for white middle class leadership? Mm. Actually, look, yes. they put him in there, so that's a really and got the Paul big track, tick, haven't they? The Peter, yeah. the, uh, sorry, the, Paul, the Peter track, yeah. They, Peter, really Paul, any, bo- any of the little birds, <laughs> any of them. But that recognizing very much that actually. The things that have been really successful have still excluded a, a, a number yeah. of people. And that's and that's, that is a massive challenge. So that's a massive challenge on a sort of a, a national church level of like, you know, what, why does the church look so well resourced in certain areas mm. and why does leadership often look like this even in, you know, you mm. often have sort of posh, 
vicar who goes in and tries to pastor a church in a uh, a very low socioeconomic um, area. Uh, but also, just for all of us, pastoring young people locally, like what does our, how diverse is our group? How well does it represent the uh, diversity and the demographics of our community? So, you know, I know of churches that are in areas with pockets of affluence and pockets of deprivation. Mm. And that church youth group is all one colour, all one social group. Uh, and it's white middle class mm. you know and and actually you know i would say we're guilty of that in in surrey as much as anywhere like we're not good at looking looking wider and looking beyond at people who don't necessarily look or have gone through the same mm. educational establishments as us so it is a huge challenge i own that challenge mm, i think we all do don't we so i think it's i'm gonna because i'm quite close to these guys up in darwin it's gonna be really exciting to see how they get on with this and what mm. we could be learning in preston really from that because that's the other thing isn't it it's kind of learning the shared learning don't just look to the bigger groups look to the those that are doing it very authentically in one setting who are really kind of bossing it in a way mm. in one mm. setting and learn from them so thank you rob thank you susie now i've got a couple of things i want to talk about oh another story no no i'm not i'm gonna say i've got a good story it's okay. in the tank oh for another time for another Love time story. uh no so the first the first thing is obviously we have a patreon um which is a way that you can practically support the work of youthscape and this podcast uh youthscape is a charity um we need your support to keep doing the stuff that we do. And we do do an awful lot of stuff. We're spread incredibly thin actually because we don't have huge resources. Um, and so people sometimes come and see our building or something. Mm. We think we're rich. We're not at all. Yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. Um, and so we really do need financial support. And we also don't, because we're quite a young charity, we don't have uh, historical support in the way that a lot of organizations do. So if you are blessed by the work of Youthscape, and I mean the National Youth Ministry Weekend, I mean the resources, I mean the website, which we'll talk about in a second, and uh, the research and this podcast um would you consider getting involved in in just putting a bit of money our way every month it could just be as many people do a dollar a month which is like the price of i don't know oh, we always get chocolate bar <laughs> pint of milk yeah. something like that it's about 80 pence um so would you would you be prepared to do that uh, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash youthscape i do it uh other people in the room do it I can't remember which ones, so I'm gonna. I'm not gonna embarrass you, uh, but um, but it's just a really practical way to um, support the work of Youthscape. If you do enjoy this podcast, please just give us a quid a month or something. That would be really helpful. The other thing I want to say is we have a new website. New website, it's so shiny. We have a very shiny new website. If you haven't been to see it at youthscape.co.uk, I'll be honest. I'm excited about all of it, but there's a really nice podcast section. There is. Do you know there's a photograph? We stunted. We stunted a photograph. A photo of you and me pretending to do the podcast in like some... we're actually in like some little back corner. We make it look like we're somewhere really salubrious. Well, be honest. We're, we're doing this in a cupboard. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah. But uh, but we make it look much nicer than that. Yeah. And so there's there's quite a lot of extra stuff on yeah, there. and there you can you, you get can... freebies sent to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that so... stuff. So... So we go want to, to after you. Uh, the website, yes. youthscape.co.uk. And if you want to find out about this podcast, youthscape.co.uk slash podcast, where you can find all 100 episodes. Uh, that's I think it from that's us. it. That is it from us. So Hello. a big shout out to everyone that listens to the podcast. Okay? Yeah. That's quite obvious. Especially those called Rachel Gardner. Especially those called Rachel Gardner. We love you. Goodbye. And it will be edited, right? It will be edited. That's good. Don't <laughs> drop the F-bomb! <laughs> <laughs> Not for the children. No, that's right, yeah.